welcome to this special Mental Health Awareness Week episode of What I Wish I'd Known. This episode was recorded in front of a live audience at Podfest for Mental Health, organised by Happerful Magazine and Counselling Directory. Proceeds from all day tickets were donated to the Mental Health Foundation. We hope you enjoy this episode and please rate, review and share. Welcome to a really special, very exciting live episode of What I Wish I'd Known. So we are here. We are not in the pink pod today, girls, are we? No, I feel like I've got to be really professional because normally no one can see us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But there is a fair few faces looking at us now. I know. Apologies if I forget. We've got a pink colour, haven't we, though? Yeah, we've coordinated. So people who are listening, our usual regular listeners who are listening, there might be slight difference in sound. Um, We've got lots of eyes looking at us at the moment, so it's a little disconcerting. But we are here at Podfest for Mental Health. It's an event organised by the wonderful Happy Full magazine and the counselling directory for Mental Health Awareness Week in May. So when you're listening to this, I think it's a usual Wednesday recording for you guys, um, but we will be mid Mental Health Awareness Week. I am Joe from Labella Loves underscore Joe. We've also got Lauren from the Parenting Chapter, uh, and I'm Jess from the oh, also known as the Fat Funny One. Uh, I haven't said that incorrectly. You heard that completely right. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also got a very special guest today. We do often have an expert guest with us, and we've got the lovely Beverly Hills. Her name is Beverly Hills, <laughs> and I was signing autographs afterwards. <laughs> who's a wonderful experienced counsellor but also really experienced in the topic we're going to be talking about today. So those of you who don't know, our podcast is called What I Wish I'd Known and through weekly podcasts we tackle a new topic every week, often with the help of an expert guest and we try and basically impart our life lessons and the things that we wish we'd known. Uh, we're not experts so are no. we ladies? No, no, not at all, <laughs> not, <even laughs> not remotely. <laughs> really don't know what we're talking about half the time. Um, so we always like to put that caveat up there out front, and we also put the huge caveat that we are not mental health experts at all, um, but we do uh, have a huge amount of lived experience, and we put in our show notes all of the links to some really amazing mental health resources. And we would say if anything we talk about today, obviously for those of you in the room, there's mental health first aiders on hand, but those of you who aren't, if you're listening and you get triggered by anything that we've said, please go and speak to a professional, go speak to your GP, go and speak to somebody, and go and look at those resources in our show notes. So we are going to be talking about maternal mental health today. And it's a big topic. topic. Yeah, It is is a big topic. So just very quickly, my story with maternal mental health is that I had postnatal depression after the birth of my little girl, who is now four, But basically I got to the point where sadly I wanted to take my life and started to take steps down that road. And motherhood really hit me hard. I'm a perfectionist, A-type personality, used to be a lawyer, and motherhood and perfectionism does not not mix. And it became quite a, a, a very dark time in my life. And slowly, slowly, slowly I started to get better and in that in my recovery journey was to talk about it I've been silent for so long and I had so much shame drenched in this condition and in this diagnosis that when I started then to talk about it you basically can't now shut me up so that was sort of in a nutshell where I am. <laughs> Which is why we've got a podcast. <laughs> I know. And now I get to talk about it every week. We every stop. week with us. Yeah, no, mine was, um, I mean, anxiety sort of been my, I suppose, bane of my life since I was 18. I'm in my 30s now. 
And in typical Lauren fashion, thought, right, I'm not content with just antenatal classes and buying baby grows. I'm just going to do five months of intense therapy, group therapy, you know, as you do, to really kind of rid myself of these demons. Because I think with mental health, everybody talks about the bit where, you know, you're sad, you're upset. But I wasn't probably the nicest person to be around. I was controlling, I was manipulative, because the anxiety was driving me. And I thought, I don't want my child to... Was this in your pregnancy? This yeah. was in my pregnancy. Sorry, just so thanks, Joe. Um, so off I trotted to therapy. But of course, as if anyone's a parent, you know, you know, the only guarantee you've got when you're pregnant is I'm going to have a baby or babies. You don't know what you're going to get, whether they're going to sleep, whether they're going to feed. And of course, my son didn't sleep, didn't feed very well. So I was like, oh my God. Um, and then actually, it wasn't until he hit toddlerdom, as I call it, uh, the anxiety sort of was was there constantly. I got used to it, but actually I'd slid into postnatal depression but was masking it. Um, and so, yeah, actually, you know, most mums are, are recognised when they've got a really tiny baby, but for me it was when Flynn was, was a bit older. So, yeah, it was like that, basically, motherhood. That's the diagram for, for me, so, yeah. Really straight, one line, <laughs> great. Um, mine's <laughs> completely different. So I've got two children. I know I don't look it, I um, and I don't look old enough. Um, but <laughs> this is a funny joke. We always say, Joe always says, we're three thirty something, oh, I didn't do it today. and it wasn't until we were on episode like six or seven. I was like, you know, I'm not actually thirty yet. Um, but it's fine. Just a few more months. A few it's more coming months. soon. It's coming soon. It's coming you soon. Will. It will be fine. Um, I was actually diagnosed with something called tocophobia. Um, I can't spell it. Don't ask me. Um, but it was basically it's the irrational fear of childbirth. And I was diagnosed towards the end of my pregnancy with my first daughter. And yeah, the one thing you do know when you have a baby is that it's got to come out somehow. (laughs) Um, So having a fear of it coming out was not um, the greatest thing to have. Um, And it was a long journey. No one kind of really listened to me. I was kind of told you're just worried. You're a first time mum. I was only 22 three at the time or something and people were kind of like you know you're fine you're just nervous and I was like no this is really really hard I wasn't sleeping it literally took over my life and got to a point where I actually went to the hospital and just had like an absolute like toddler tantrum on the floor because no one listened to me and then was taken by a consultant and in the end the safest thing for me and my baby at the time was to have a planned cesarean which most people think is crazy because that's actually what most people fear. But mm. for me, it was in a controlled environment, so I felt like I would be safe. So it was really tough then to deal with the backlash of that because people were like, oh, you're just too posh to push. Listen, after about five minutes of listening to me talk, you'll know I'm definitely not posh. Like That's like the last <laughs> word. No chance. No, there's like no chance. of like Level of poshness in our podcast goes Actually, down. Actually, it goes here. down. Like Joe's like super, super posh. I'm average. Like Lauren's sometimes posh. Like Monday to Wednesday, same time. And then Thursday, Friday, it kind of goes off. I'm yeah. like not posh at all. Like at all. Like yeah. someone said something to me the other day about sausage roll, and I was like, "Oh, that's well posh." And they were like, "What the hell?" It's a sausage roll. Yeah, I know it's a sausage roll. At Greg, but it's from Waitrose, rolls. and that's posh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, people, the backlash of that was really hard. So when you go to baby groups when you first had a baby, mm. for some reason, you, you know, you've never met these people before, but we all talk about our lady parts within like the first five minutes of meeting each other, mm. which you do Yay. when you're a mum. If you're not a parent, you think that's the weirdest thing in the world. Um, and then you have a child and it's just normal. And then me trying to explain why I had a C-section was really tough because people were like, oh, there must have been something wrong, like physically, but trying to explain that actually it was mental health related. I've just realised there's someone very pregnant over there. I'm really sorry. <laughs> and I really oh hope... That, is this your first baby? 
Okay, you'll this be is, fine. This is awareness. You'll, yeah, be fine. This is, you'll be absolutely I'll be fine. It's fine. You'll be like totally fine. I feel really bad now. Um, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I've, it's been really positive since. <laughs> um, but yeah, I found that really hard because then people were really judgy about yeah. my birth experience, and then I had to explain that it was mental health related, and then people and then were the like, stigma oh, there, massive yep. stigma there, and then people were like, oh, and then I was like, oh, this is just so hard, but it's beautiful. I promise, like it's great. <laughs> when they sleep. <laughs> I feel like we should stop, like, because I, I don't want to scare you now. I, I promise I, you, it's the best I thing I was ever. asked to talk at the baby show about postnatal depression, <laughs> and I was like, oh, as a whole room full of mum, expectant mums all looking wide-eyed up at me. I was like, it's okay, <laughs> but my experience is it's not okay. But, but, on, I think but on then a, it gets okay. On a separate note, just to jump in, I think, you know, my biggest bugbear was that the, the current model of education, especially if you're a first-time parent, and I, don't, I assume you've done your classes now, um, yeah, is, uh, and not slandering any, any particular brand, but, um, you know, you learn predominantly about giving birth, but you could argue you could pop into a hospital, and if you just let the staff do what they need to do, you probably wouldn't need to know a huge amount, of, yes, around choice, but I think it's about education of the mental health side. It's just knowledge. It might not happen to you, but you know what? It's knowing where the lines are between this is all right, this is normal, and actually, do you know what? Go and have a, go and have a chat to someone. And by the way, it probably might not be your relatives or your friends. It could be somebody professional, just just somebody. So it's, I think knowledge is, is I think power. That's, I think that's really important to say. And um, like the purpose of this podcast is what I wish I'd known. And mm. I think what I have, wish I'd known is... It's so normal to have to be to have down days as a mum, and some of those down days might accumulate to be actually something more serious that you need to take. You need to you need to go and see somebody, but also that's really normal as well. Mm-hmm. It can make you feel like you're the only person to have ever experienced this, um, but you're not. But I kind of got fixated on that. I was like, this is motherhood. Motherhood is just pretty crap, and I just it's kind not, of went. I feel so- I'm looking at you now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I just kind of went head down. Like this is what it is. It's suffering. It's fog. It's painful and it's hard and it's and this is what everybody's doing. But they're all coping way better with it I was than me. Say, and there's yeah. this big pretense of like it's all fine. It's actually when you scratch the surface, you realise that a lot of people are also finding it tricky. Um, there's a big not necessarily in your group, um, but if you you know, I found out that somebody in my NCT group also had postnatal depression and neither of us spoke to each other about it like neither it was this big unwritten competition to be like everything is peachy and I just wish I'd known that actually it it often isn't and you can find and find just finding that one connection with somebody even if you don't know them that's why a lot of what we do is on social media and social media can have its absolute drawbacks but one of the big things is particularly if you're suffering with something like postnatal depression just knowing that you're not alone, like having that human connection, knowing that it's not um, it's 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 not only you can really really help. And just to add to that, if some of you sit in the audience thinking, "Well, I'm not I'm not a parent yet," mm. or, or you know, you might have older kids, I think we all cross paths with parents. And you know, obviously, we're sitting here as three mums. I work a lot with dads four. as well. Sorry, four. four. Sorry, yeah. Beverly. <laughs> um, but I work a lot with dads as well, and, and especially dads that you know go through mental health struggles when their children are born, which is a really tough thing because people go, "Well, you've not had the baby." No, but they're part of the experience. Dads they're part still of still have absolutely or mental, mental health, health issues. Yeah. But if you're sitting here thinking, "Well, I've not got kids," you know, you will work with people. You'll cross paths with people, and I think it's understanding that they haven't just had a physical 
output a baby there's so much inside outside going on and it goes through different phases and stages as the child grows and so on so yeah, yeah. I th- and I think in uh, that's something that I kind of you almost touched on it there the theme of mental health awareness week this year is body image I think I'm mm-hmm. probably not getting this completely right but we want to talk about the mum We've talked about it's the my, mum my bod. My favourite topic. We've talked about the mum bod before on an episode. <laughs> um, go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But, you know, the physical and the mental, how those two things sort of collide when you become a mum because you obviously are going through something very, very physical. Um, our bodies completely change. We have a disruptive eating pattern. We're looking after and nurturing something else. And often what happened with me is I did motherhood to the nth degree to 110 miles an hour 110 percent and completely neglected myself and there is so that there's that feeds into a lot of like physically how you are and that has a correlation with how your mental health is i think what we forget is that when we are pregnant our bodies are just full of hormones I mean, and the hormones are changing us all the time. We've got a parasite growing inside us. <laughs> Sorry you know? again. Sorry again. It's just but it's you feeding do. off you. It's like alien. You know, and all the goodness you're putting into yourself, uh-uh, it's going to that baby. Yeah. And then what we think, the dream, is that we give birth and we're going to be all right and our bodies are going to snap back like that. Well, if you're young enough, sometimes they do, you know. If you're not, sometimes they don't. I was, I was young enough and my body didn't snap back and I no. went up to a size 26 after my baby. Yeah, yeah. Blimey. And I was quite happy. Yeah. I was quite happy. I made myself nicely sexually invisible so I didn't have to have another one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was for me and my therapist. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that when you, um, when you give birth, those hormones are still raging around your body. Hmm. And those hormones rage around your body for years They don't just suddenly Mm. go. Mm. And so you're feeling all this mix-up stuff inside. And our aim for perfection, like, I've got to be perfect, I've got to be the perfect (coughs) mum, it's got to be right, actually is our Achilles heel sometimes. And I say it's okay to get things wrong, and it's okay not to feel okay, whether you're having a baby or not. I just don't really, pardon my French, give a shit. Um, And I get it wrong all the time, and I'm quite open about that. And I also am very proud of the body that I have. It's taken me a long time to get here, and actually a lot of my body issues came from prior to having children, um, where I wanted to look a certain way, and I felt like my validation in my life would come from being slimmer. Mm. My original... Instagram account was actually a diet and weight loss account when I first started. I know everyone's what like, it? I know now I'm just like got my fat belly out eating cake. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, but that that was what my account was, and I, I wanted to be one of those people that had those before and after pictures, and everyone followed, and it was great. And then I was like, I love cake too much. I like wine too much. Sod this. It's too much effort. The gym not for me. Um, so I have this massive thing around, especially I, I guess having a baby and and what that looks like after um and I I think one of the things I focus on now is how much of a privilege it was to carry my children and I kind of don't really care what people think or how that looks and we you know mother care have done a brilliant um campaign recently which Jess is a part of which I'm a part if you go on there you can see that said belly I was talking about (laughs) yes happily on their Instagram um although funny story when I went I didn't realize we're actually shooting the photos that day and had on like the worst pants of life (laughs) like 
anyone you know like just your great yeah, ones yeah so hadn't done the washing like proper dodgy <laughs> and then I got there and they were like you ready to shoot I was like shoot what and she was like the pictures I was like that's today and I just stripped off and I thought do you know what it's a realistic image of what I look like should we say what the mother care campaign yeah is so it's just about being beautiful it. and and there's pictures beautiful? of people with Holding their babies with yeah. stretch marks on their tummies, on their, and know. not just that. So no, petite women, curvy women. It's it's a massive. What's the range? Tagline, I think isn't she beautiful? Isn't she beautiful? Um, yeah. And I think I very much love that campaign because it is a part of what what I've done. You know, it is a massive privilege for my kids. I don't really care what my body looks like, and you know, I care about my body in terms of health but I don't necessarily care how that looks in an aesthetic way because I think people will look different and we all look different all the time. Mm -hmm. And that pressure of wanting to look a certain way after you've had a child, you almost don't want any evidence that you've had a child after you've had Mm -hmm. a child. Whereas me now, I'm like, yes, look at my belly, I had a baby, look at this big stretch mark, woo And I'm really proud of that. It's done an incredible thing, your body. Yeah. But Lauren and I were talking about this beforehand because I think we've come from a similar place, uh, particularly career-wise and... Mm -hmm. I had a sort of very terrible journey of um, being very judged on my pregnant state at work and it being a completely okay thing to be talking about how big I was getting, how fat I was, how, how I was now showing front and back. Um, which is you nice. just got a juicy booty. There's just nothing nice wrong with that. Just claim it. <laughs> being, I'm going to take that. That's Next lovely. time, just claim it. When yeah. they're like, oh my gosh, you got so big. I'll be like, I know, right? Yay! What I used to just say, like, it's Kim a K baby. Makes money off that. Yeah, yeah, I know. People get know. famous for having big bums and making money. See, it's this no word that. should that's the problem. Yeah. Oh, the word really. should should be banned. Should. Yeah. <laughs> should, should be banned from our vocabulary. Should, ought, must. Let's take them away. Because who says we should? Society. Who is society? A load of people. I don't know. Blame the patriarchy. And they're telling me how to live live my life. (laughs) These people say you should be like this and you should be like that. I think what you were saying is great. If you feel good, you look good. If you feel it from the inside. But I had it wasn't a it wasn't a hypothetical should in terms of like there were people to my face saying you're get you're you know you're fat you're getting fat I'm like it's a baby but and then so when I went off and I came back I felt I should but because of the experience that I had that the expectation on me was that I had to have snapped back else they are going to they are going to tell me to my face that I haven't or mm-hmm. I have um, luckily they didn't but it, the pressure was there and I thought this is crazy and. I didn't have time for that, and I was in the middle of postnatal depression, so I just went back however I went back. But I felt that from society. Mm. And because I had quite bad postnatal depression, and because I wasn't looking after myself, I actually did lose a lot of weight, but it wasn't a badge of honour. It wasn't mm. something that I was particularly proud of. And people were like, oh my God, you look amazing. And that was almost was quite hard to hear as well, because I knew the reason for that and it was you were conflicted you wanted yeah. the validation but you didn't want the validation yeah. you wanted to it just really be free to be you mm. and I know Lauren you've you've had a similar yeah similar feelings on it. I think um, you know a lot of us in the room could probably argue that I think it's how you form your identity my identity was largely around my career so of course then when I had a baby which was an entirely new territory 
I was like, I've got to get back to what I know. That's that's who Lauren is. Um, you know, and there's all these messages. That, oh, if you breastfeed, the weight drops off you. No, actually, I put on another stone. Um, oh, your hair, your hair won't drop out until you stop breastfeeding. No, pretty much fell out straight away. Um, you know, the I weight... like the little glance there at the pregnant person. Yeah, it's like, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Um, and my worst one, you know, I had these beautiful genes that had lost... I mean, I put on four stones during pregnancy. I was, you know, and I'd had enough. You know, I was like, get this baby out. And I'd held on to these genes, maternity genes, not, no chafes, no, nothing, you know, for nine months. And then three weeks post-birth, they split up the arse. And I just thought, <laughs> this, is, this is it. Like, I've, and then also, I was like, I've got no stretch marks, had the baby. And there was just like these tiger stripes suddenly came out. I'm like, who hates me in this world? I've just carried a baby for bloody nine months and it's all coming out now. Where's the weight loss? And, and it took me a good, good year and a half. But absolutely, Joe. I mean, I, I also, um, I knew something was up and I went into masking mode. So um, I was doing full face and makeup every day. I mean, I wouldn't do that unless I was going out on the razz on a Saturday, but this was every day. Now, people come around the house, blow-drying my hair, which sounds a bit middle-class, and it probably is, but it was massive masking mm. for me because I thought that identity and this woman thing, whoever I am, they're so far apart, so I'm going to try and grab onto what I know, but it was really Didn't dangerous. Have to deal with what was going on. Couldn't you deal then? with it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unlike Jess, who just let everyone rock up, and I just didn't even put a bra on because I didn't <laughs> really care. And my absolute, and I, what I wish I'd known, and what I always tell people when they have a baby, and this is my direct advice to you because this is way more positive: only let people in your house if they can make their own cup of tea, and you don't have to get out of bed. Or they bring you food. Yeah, that's it. And when I honestly, that was like my god. And when people came round, I was like, if you can make your own cup of tea, great. If you can't, then literally don't bother. I bring a costa. And also, if they're willing to have the baby while you have a kip, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. or shower, yeah. So really, that kind of limits it to your really immediate family and your closest friends, and that makes a massive difference. So if you're not okay, it does feel a bit easier to say that to people who are coming round. Because I'm telling people who you haven't spoken to for ages, will suddenly be like, I want to come and see your baby. I want to come round. I want to visit. And you're like, what the hell? And did you find there was a bit of a weird competition of like? being the first to come and I was like I've literally just come out of hospital and I haven't spoken to you for about six months and you want to be the first to come round I'm like yeah. holy shit yeah, and there's no, this sort of martyrdom thing that goes on like oh well I have to be doing everything and having this baby and it's exhausting because you it just there. had a baby so, it's like, so you're kind it's of like holding thing. court yeah. it's hard and, and to add I mean I uh, I was in a very and no longer I'm in a toxic relationship and gone through a divorce so I've got a number of uh, unfortunate badges but I'm cool about it and um I I was just yeah I was in a really really bad place and I ended up I had to from a financial point of view go back to working when little one was seven weeks old so that added another parallel of pretense basically it's fine yeah oh I'm not looking at oh you know and, and people would just make comments go you've just had a baby and they don't know what to say to you so I think there's another part on the other side isn't there that um, and I think especially for men, you know, men, you know, when you when a woman's pregnant, you don't really want to say, oh, you look wonderful, you know, or, or, or then when they, it or just way. avoid it, like, oh, lovely. <laughs> or indeed, once they've had a baby. So it is, I think, also about a language piece, isn't it? And, and But equally, just treating us as we were before. That's what we want, really, isn't it? Just, yeah. just 
it was still the same person. But just let us have more naps. Yeah, naps, naps save naps lives. Save lives. <laughs> yeah, naps save lives. <laughs> I think it's just about talking and being honest. And it's really difficult in motherhood because the idea of motherhood from a, for a lot of us is what we see on telly, what we see in movies, what people depict online. And people paint this wonderful, my house is always tidy. The kids mm. are, that is a lie. My it's house is obvious. a mess. My kids are feral. Like, it's, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> like... We went to a festival last year and my, my daughter, my eldest daughter was in her element because she did not have to bathe, she was covered <laughs> in glitter and she literally was just covered in mud all weekend and she thought it was the best thing of life because that is like a natural yeah. state. And, and it, it's funny because you want to, you know, if I want to post a picture, I think oh, everything has to be put in place and, and this doesn't even have to be if you're a mum, just that whole social media expectation yeah. of everyone's lives are perfect and we all look great and we just, I very, you know, I do stories without makeup, that's tragic yeah. but hey ho who cares and and I'm very realistic about the state of my house and just the state of my life sometimes because I think it's sometimes that one person that you see that hasn't got their shit together that you can go thank god it's not yeah. just me and that can be at any point whether you're a parent or not a parent it's just having someone who you can go oh I'm so glad that mm. that's a really good point you. actually because if we let our mask down mm-hmm. what we're actually doing is allowing other people to let their masks Absolutely. down absolutely yeah. So if we show that we're failing a little bit, someone else might go, just like you said, yeah. oh, yeah. thank goodness she looks a mess because yeah. I look a mess. And you yeah. find that starts to happen as soon as you say... I remember being in a children's group and it being utterly, utterly boring and terrible. And someone's like, don't you just love it? Isn't it so brilliant? I was like, no, it's just, this is awful. And then about five other mums went, yeah, it's awful. I was like, yes. And it's that actually somebody said it, and I think that's, that's very much what we all try and do on social media, what we all try and do through this podcast. Really conscious of time, so I really want Beverly, because obviously the, the, the whole point of this podcast is trying to say what we wish we had known. And I know you're a mum, but also in your professional opinion, what is it that you'd like women who either haven't started, and parents, but you know, people who haven't started on the parenthood journey yet, or are pregnant, or are finding themselves in that point where they've just had a baby and they think something might be going wrong? I think it's about cutting yourself some slack and being really, really good to yourself and being, I don't say selfish anymore, I say operating self care. And it's about operating self care all around. And the other thing that I'd, I'd like to point out is we're not perfect. So when your partner, whoever they may be, or your carer, or your parent, or your parent, you know, you might be living with your parents and you become a parent. But if they say, let me do it, let them, even if they get it wrong, because who made you the most perfect person in the world to get it right? And the only way that your partner is going to learn is by getting it wrong, the same as you. So, yeah, come on, you dropped the baby. We all did, you know. We, we have all done it. <laughs> we, did, we, did, we just didn't fess up, that's all. So allow your partner to get it wrong. And that way you're learning together. And that way you have more of a stable relationship. And I find that as a counsellor, if, if the one partner introduces the other partner in and lets them fail, then the relationship is more likely to survive. Before we completely wrap up, Jess, have you got, we do a thing called listener wisdom where we put it out to our listeners and say, what is it that you wish we'd know, you'd known? Um, sometimes we keep it really general, but today we got a little bit more specific and said about motherhood. And I don't know if we went maternal mental health or well, motherhood. We went just mental health. Right, mental Which, health. Yeah, okay. so we kept it really broad. Go, um, go and I'm going to read just a couple out. Um, I'm not going to name their online names just because of some of the kind of how open and honest they've been, which is amazing. Um, so what uh, someone wish they had known is that they don't need to be ashamed of having bipolar, which 
I love because it's such a brave thing to come out not that it should be brave because it should be something we could talk about openly but for someone to be quite open I think um, I commend them I'm trying really hard not to say their name Um, (laughs) I'm concentrating really hard Um, what I wish I'd known is how alone I would feel even though there are so many people around sometimes yeah particularly in what we've been talking about today yeah um but having a mental health condition can be very isolating and sometimes the condition itself makes you feel like that so depression is a very isolating thing and the hardest thing to do is to reach out and ask for help but it's okay to ask for help Mm. because it's the best thing you can do is to reach out and ask for help and just to add to that i think um i remember with the anxiety which is something that society doesn't always I suppose, recognise on its own is that I constantly used to say, I feel trapped within myself, which mm. is an odd thing to say. She think, well, just sort it out, you know, separate. But I, couldn't, I felt trapped within myself by myself, if that makes mm. sense, and thus so lonely because I couldn't connect with people. So. And the brilliant thing is there is a counselling directory where you can find a counsellor in your area, wherever you are. Wherever you may be, there will be a counsellor in your area. We've both used that facility, and that's where I found my therapist. And we always link to it. And we always link to it on our show notes. Yeah, it's a great resource. Okay, we'll end on this one. What I wish I'd known is that I am beautiful, I'm healthy, and I'm good enough, and I don't need to change. What a lovely one to end on. Perfect. So that is all we've got time for. Thank Thank you you to Hapa for for Podfest for Mental Health and the Counselling Directory, being a wonderful audience, and yeah, for listening in, you guys who are listening in. We'd love you all to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Um, really helps us. And if you've got any topics you'd like us to cover, you can find us on whatiwishidknown.co.uk and there's a contact form there and just submit it and we will chat about it. And that is it. We're really passionate about sharing stories because we think that when you share your stories openly and honestly, honesty, honestly, I can't <laughs> speak, that is when real change happens. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this special episode of What I Wish I'd Known, recorded at Happerful Magazine's Podfest for Mental Health, supported by Counselling Directory. If you'd like to read more about mental health and wellbeing, head over to happerful.com and sign up to receive a free e-edition of the magazine every month. If you're looking for local counselling support, you can find over 15,000 counsellors at your fingertips at counselling-directory.org.uk. You can also find information about mental health support at mentalhealth.org.uk. And if you need to speak to someone immediately, the Samaritans are available 24 hours a day on 116 123. And you can also email joe at samaritans.org. Help is available. This podcast has been produced by Happiful. If you've enjoyed listening, please subscribe, rate, review and share. And please join us again soon.